Welcome to the Missouri Wind and Solar Podcast. Thanks for downloading the podcast. I'm your host, Wes Shank, and I'm here today with our co-host and general manager, David McDerris. We've also got Sam Buffington, the head of our research and development group in here with us today, because we're going to have a special guest by phone, by, wait a minute, by Zoom, excuse me, I have to get that right, uh, Avery Hughes with Fortress Batteries. He's our general, he's our regional sales manager for the Midwest. He's on our call today. And so we're going to talk with him about the greatest happenings in wind and solar and how they'll impact your alternative energy projects. If you'd like more information about anything you hear on the podcast, check out all of our education resources at windandsolar.com, including links to over 300 YouTube videos. And you can also reach out to our Seymour, Missouri-based sales team at 417-708-5359. You can always email them at sales at windandsolar.com. And if you really want to go in-depth, come to our hands-on workshop in Seymour. You can get all the details on our website, windandsolar.com. So great to have you with us today, Avery. Thanks for making the effort to come in on the call. We've got... Absolutely. Good morning. Sam and David here. They've got all kinds of wicked questions lined up to mess with you on batteries. And they've been out, <laughs> about, out in the hall tasing each other with batteries just so they can get it right. So before we get rolling, give us your great elevator pitch on Fortress. And I know I love them. I've got two of those big monster. Oh, excuse me. Oh, God, I only said two. I got four. I don't even know how to count today. Four. I have four of those E-Vaults at my house. Right. And they are miraculous. I mean, I absolutely love them. But yeah, give us the Fortress elevator pitch. Tell us why we should all be carrying those batteries. Yeah, thanks so much, guys, for having me on this morning. It's a pleasure. Calling from the great state of Texas. A little bit about me real quick. I am the the Midwest Regional Sales Manager. I cover the entire state of Texas, but I also cover Oklahoma, Louisiana, Arkansas, Missouri, and Kansas. So that's my area. I actually will be up there coming up at the end of this month for the NAPSEP conference there in St. Charles. Not sure if you guys are going to... We've been talking about it. I think we're trying to figure out if we can make it or not. So we will have a booth there and be, I believe, doing a training session at that conference. But I will also be there an additional week, so covering Kansas and Missouri. So I'd certainly like to come in and see the new facility. Last time I was there, you were still building out the interior. So yeah, I we're... never did get to see the final facility. So I'll schedule some time, hopefully, to come in there too. David you know. finally got it done, and we were on him forever. I mean, he was dragging his feet. <laughs> but come on, we'll take you to Rusty Spur for the Harris Burger and see if we can give you a cardiac <laughs> moment while you're here in town. <laughs> awesome, awesome. All right. Well, so a little bit about Fortress Power. So, yeah, really the elevator pitch is Fortress Power. We're a manufacturer of lithium iron phosphate batteries. We, we specialize in residential and commercial batteries. We've had some changes certainly in the last year. We now scale from 5.4 48-volt residential all the way up to probably four, four and a half megawatt hours of full 480-volt outdoor solutions for commercial installs. Anywhere along the way, we have different solutions, indoor and outdoor rated. Now, a key differentiator with Fortress Power, you know, really is the component mixture in our batteries. So we use only the highest level tier one automotive prismatic cells, digital processor-based BMS. It's just the, the greatest and latest technology that's out there in our batteries and try to offer that at the most affordable price. Now, if are we the cheapest battery out there? Absolutely not. If your buyers or homeowners or whoever it is, if that is their sole buying indicator or factor is price, it's not where we're going to shine. If someone cares about 10 years of warranty or 8,000 
cycles out of their batteries and not having to worry about their batteries and service them, that's certainly where we shine here at Fortress Power. Yeah, I went from at my house, we had the true prismatic cells and we put some uh, the daily BMSs on there and put that together. We went from that to the E-Vault. And I got to tell you, I like the E-Vault better. (laughs) So before we get into the super secret pre-screened list that we sent over to you, I want to bounce something off of you because it's something that we really are seeing down the pike right now is giving your political views on NEM 3.0 and what's that going to do to the battery industry. I'm sure you guys have got your antennas like straight up on what that's going to do. Do you see that as making some big impacts with what you've got going on? I'll say I don't cover California. (laughs) Okay, so that's not, you know, that isn't that just a California? Yeah, uh, but the thing we see is that's going to put a huge demand out there for batteries, period. Right, right. Okay, so you're basically asking is it going to cause a delay in lithium and batteries because of the uptick in M3 in California. Yeah. Have you heard anything at Fortress that... I have not. And we get reports, the relationship that our CEO has with lithium manufacturers, I know that the purchase process is pushed out years in advance. So I know that Fortress Power has lithium procured and paid for for a number of months or even years out. I don't think there's any concern right up front with M3 causing a shortage on our batteries. Now, you may or may not, because, you know, this is something we really kind of keep an eye on the edges. They're doing something similar in Arkansas. I don't know if you had heard that or not. They are going from where they had one-to-one net metering. Yeah. Net metering. And now they're going to change that up. Have you heard about that, too? I have heard mentionings of that. I mean, Louisiana and Arkansas both. Louisiana certainly, I believe, has some of the cheapest electricity rates in the United States. And so I don't see a lot of our batteries in Louisiana. Arkansas definitely is better. There's some certain growth. I'm seeing a lot more attach rates and companies popping up doing solar battery installs in Arkansas. I don't know the specifics around that. I have read a couple of articles about some changes coming to the way they've met meter or do business in Arkansas. Yeah. I think that if that passes, because I think right now it's just a bill. I think they're talking about it and they were they were discussing how it wasn't fair. I think that was a big thing that we were reading. In our little world that we move in here, it certainly looks like that's going to drive a lot of battery sales. Because what am I going to do? Am I going to sell my power back to the power company? I don't want to say at a loss, but at certainly 75%, 50% of what I was getting before. Or do I want to bank that so that I don't have to buy it back at 10 o'clock for Right. Twice what I was getting paid to generate. You know, it just seems like people are going to look at that and say, well, screw that. I'm going to go buy some batteries and I'll get through the night on my batteries and not buy anything. That's what I see happening. Right. I think there's that sweet spot, that sweet spot, right? There's some point to where it makes the most sense to add battery packs. Yeah. If you're getting one for one, if you're getting one for one, then it doesn't make sense. Right. Right. Unless you've got other reasons. Right. Right. Unless you're right. Yeah. Power, power backup. But if you're getting clipped on it, I think we're going to see some significant battery growth across the board in the next. Yeah, I think one thing you're going to see with battery growth is just the, uh, and Mark, hello. I didn't say hello. Wes got onto me last time, so I didn't say Avery. Avery. Oh, Avery, sorry. So one thing that I think that we're going to see with the tax credits now actually going, being able to be put on batteries that are going to existing 
systems, I think that's going to be a huge uptake in batteries as well. I mean, a lot of people that didn't have batteries before, now then they will actually fall under that 30% federal tax credit under the new Inflation Reduction Act. I think that's going to really drive battery sales. Okay. I agree. Well, let's get on to our uh, super secret list of things we wanted to talk with you about. The first one, and this one is, again, near and dear to my heart because I've got those Evolt Maxes in, and the Guardian program looks really cool. So tell us about the Guardian, and then tell us about the timeline with the Maxes. So kind of what are you looking at with that? So, yeah, we'll answer that question first. The good news is is now certified to work with the Evolt. Oh. So we're good to go. Okay. Current shipping Guardian units will come with a CAN tool. You may already have one or have them floating around, but we're going to start shipping them with the CAN tool. There will be a firmware update you will need to make to the BMS on the Evolt. Once that is done, everything will work just as well with the E-Flex or Evolt. Okay. So I've got as, to update as of my four batteries. Yes. You just need to do a BMS update on the batteries and you should be good to go. Okay, cool. Well, we'll make that happen because yeah. that looks really just gave me some more work to do. <laughs> I actually did. Thank you, Avery. <laughs> I know where Sam's going to be this afternoon. <laughs> Tell yeah. us about the Guardian. Yeah, I mean, it's a very neat piece of it equipment. It is, it is. And it's something that was certainly missing probably from our batteries and the connectivity and being able to actually look in deeper and see what's going on with the batteries, right? Kind of internet of things device. So this unit will have a lot more use as we move into additional products that we can talk about. There's a lot more to it than basic monitoring of our batteries. It does have the ability to control things and send packets and whatnot. And you will see more of that on some of our future products. But for now, you know, it is kind of simply a monitoring device, kind of shows you the health of the battery, all of the things that you see on your front readout of your Evolt Maxes currently, right? You get that info to your phone. We're able to send some level of BMS updates, firmware updates through the unit as long as someone is standing there. We don't do any updates automatically without letting the end user know. But if you are standing there, you don't have to connect any cables or do anything, right? We can actually send some updates. We do have live tech support through that unit as well. So we can see what you see or what the homeowner sees at the same time and real-time chat on your phone about what's going on with the general health of your system. We all know with tech support, I mean... It sounds kind of silly, but sometimes the old school, like when you call in to get your computer worked on, they ask you, like, is the power on, is the power off, or turn it off and back on, you know, simple stuff like that. So a lot of homeowners, you know, when talking to them, it's hard to get some of that data from them. So it's good to be able to see real time what's actually happening. And one of the big Uh, things that our clientele, because we do a lot of off-grid, is that it doesn't have to stay connected, correct? Does not have to stay connected, absolutely not. Okay. No. You know, and off-grid, too, I'm not sure if it's out as of today's generation of the unit, but there will be a Bluetooth option as well coming on it. Right now, it's Wi-Fi or hardwire connected. Okay. Off-grid situations, there will be that Bluetooth option. Yeah, because a lot of our folks, they'll have either no or limited, or they're using a phone there with it. So those are all really good things that, that our clientele will appreciate. Yeah, great. And it's not like a real expensive product to add on if you're already spending X amount for battery storage. Yeah. It's a really cool thing just to throw on. Yeah, what's the MSRP fun. on that right offhand? I mean, is it? Oh, it's three fifty. maybe. Yeah, I was going to say, it seemed like it was about 300 bucks. Okay, excellent. Sam, I see you itching down there to start asking Avery real questions that's not 
stuff that's going to give you more work to do today. Oh, that's quite all right, Wes. <laughs> Absolutely, Avery. So once again, thank you for being here with us. So you and I had spoke whenever you were here at the facility about something here that is actually really coming into the market, and we're seeing a lot more of it with lithium batteries taking over, and that's battery heating. So what can you tell us and our customers about your recommended battery heating systems? And just tell us a little more, please. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a great question. And there is certainly a push for outdoor batteries. We've seen this coming in the last 18 months or so and certainly been making preparations for that. And when you think about putting batteries outdoors, not to back up a little bit, you know, in Texas and in jurisdictions that have major metropolitan, let's just say downtown Dallas-Fort Worth or something like that, there's something called NFPA 855, right? And what that is, is the government basically putting a bunch of what they deem as smart people heads together and saying these are the rules and regulations for home solar, right? From a safety perspective, fire, any kind of hazard situations, you know, what should it look like if you have X amount of solar in your home? And they put together all these rules and regulations. Now, in this NFPA 855, there are a few things in there that are very concerning, one of which I forget the actual numbers right off the top of my head, but it states that if you're going to have batteries indoors, this even counts for your garage, right? Indoors or in your garage that you would have to replace the drywall inside that room with a type X gypsum fire retardant drywall. So that means you'd have to knock out your walls, put up this new drywall to hang batteries in that particular room. So most people are like, the heck with that. Just put them outside. I'm not going to do that. There are other regulations that go on and talk about the spacing of batteries. Like if it's 40 kilowatt hours, you know, if it's another 40 kilowatt hours indoors, then it has to be eight feet apart and so many inches from the wall. Most people, especially like myself here in Texas, my space is very important to me. I've got side-by-side or hunting equipment or freezers, whatever it is in my garage, my space is very important to me. I don't want somebody telling me, you know, where I have to put these battery banks. So again, another reason just to push it outdoors. Okay. So our E-Flex battery is our outdoor rated battery, has been since inception. It's a fully IP65 rated battery. It can go outdoors, does not ship with any kind of heating element in that battery. Now we've taken in designing it, we've done what we can with the design of the battery. It's a quarter inch thick aluminum casing on it. It does have built in heat sinks. Now that's the opposite spectrum. We're talking about the heat at that point and not keeping them cool. But we designed a Durarack cabinet that is currently shipping for our eFlex batteries that is also a NEMA 3R rated cabinet. So you can fit up to four eFlex units. That's about 21.6, call it 22 kilowatt hours of storage that can be put outdoors. Our eFlex is also recently expanded from 16 units to 30 units in parallel. So 160-something-odd now kilowatt hours of outdoor-rated storage in those cabinets. Now, inside the cabinets, your bus bars are included, all your cables are included, and it also has a DIN rail inside the Durarack. So we have a solution. There's several DIN rail heater slash thermostats on the market. There is one by a company called Stego that we have looked at and tested, and we actually have installation guides on our website or info on that particular one. Doesn't mean you have to use it, but essentially what it is is a DIN rail heater that can connect DC right into the E-Flex battery and operate, or it can be through the combiner block, or you can actually run off the of AC power as well. But it's a thermostat slash fan heater that you set it to say, hey, when I hit 40 whatever degrees, let's keep it everything above 40 degrees. So at 39, it kicks on, heats it up to 60 or whatever you set it at inside your cabinet. So you're good to go. 
So future batteries, Trump Fortress Power, we do have a high-voltage solution coming out in the near future that all of this will have built-in heat plates. Pretty much anything that you see going forward is going to have built-in heating or some kind of cooling or forced air for outdoor placement. Cool. Is that a bad pun? No, no. That wasn't a pun. That is cool. Hey, Avery, just so people understand, because a lot of people don't know this on the... What happens to a lithium battery if it gets too cold and you're trying to use it or charge it? A lot of people, you know, they've always wanted to keep their batteries warm, no matter if it's flooded lead acid, AGM. Mm-hmm. But what happens to the lithium if I do charge it, say, when it's 32 degrees outside or colder? Right. So the BMS system in our batteries at 32 degrees will shut it down and not allow charging. Okay. Okay. So that does happen. It's going to snap and click and it will not be able to charge. The discharge, I believe, is around 20 degrees. So if the temperature measures around 20 degrees, then even the discharge will turn off at that point. So it does have a wake feature. It is monitoring the temperature. And so depending on how long it's sat in that state, if it's an off-grid situation where nobody's home and it's just sitting there at that cold state, it may go into a dormant phase to where you'd have to press a button to wake it. It would be the only way to wake it at some point would be to press the button. Okay. But lithium is you know, obviously very sensitive to hot and cold temperatures. I always tell customers between 40 and 90 degrees or 40 and 100, if you can keep your batteries you know, within that range, that's what they like. It's healthy for them. And that's where you're really going to get the longevity of the ROI out of the battery. Okay. So Sam and I were reading a deal yesterday And it was pretty interesting, and I'd like to get your take on it. It was talking about having a battery at 75 degrees versus 85 degrees. The life expectancy that you would receive out of the battery was dramatically decreased, according to this document that we were reading. It was for lead-acid batteries, though, just to That was lead-acid batteries? Yeah, that was lead-acid. But would that have the same effect on the lithium batteries? I think that there is some truth to that. I have also read articles similar even when referring to life PO4 or lithium iron phosphate that, you know, there is a operating temperature that is prime for the battery. And, you know, obviously sitting at 90 degrees or sitting right at the extreme of 33 degrees, it's not good on the battery. I mean, it's absolutely going to affect the longevity of the battery. Just because something is rated or, you know, has those parameters of what the max is doesn't mean that you want to be there. To me, I, I think about, you know, if you have a Porsche yeah, top speed yeah. is 200 miles an hour. It doesn't mean you want to sit there and run 190 for a year. Yeah, It's certainly going to affect it, right? And that analogy kind of holds true. You're sitting at the extreme of either end of that spectrum. It's not going to be healthy for the battery to be sitting there near extreme temperatures. So I do want to circle back around on an item coming back a little bit along the lines of the Guardian Talk to us about the pros and cons of uh, closed-loop communication methods. I know the batteries talk between themselves. Right. So closed-loop communication. So so generally speaking, for people that don't exactly know what that is, so, I mean, closed-loop communication is kind of the process of receiving information and then confirming that information with the sender. In other words, the loop is closed. I always think of, you know, CB radios when you talk today, police and fire, when you say something or give a statement, everybody says Roger, Wilco, or 10-4, or something like that, right? So think about that in closed-loop communication. In the world of battery storage, I mean, closed-loop communications uses like Modbus protocol, they call it, right, which is essentially machine language. Newer batteries, all Fortress batteries, have a battery management system or BMS that's constantly sending out in Modbus communications, you know, things like the state of the battery, the data charge, or the total throughput, that that is constantly uh, being sent out, right? 
so all inverted brands have some sort of Modbus protocol, you know, engineering and coordination between engineers to ensure that batteries and inverters that all speak the same language to, to kind of enable that closed-loop communication. Now, why is that important for battery storage? Closed-loop communication will let the battery know if it's being, like, overcharged or, let's say, the voltage is too low, and that's based on detailed information provided by the inverter. It can protect, extend the life of the battery, reduce charge times, you know, it pretty much enabled the system to operate more efficiently. Now, from a customer perspective, the state of charge displayed on the inverter will match the state of charge displayed on the battery, which to me, that's a big problem when it comes to closed-loop, open-loop communication. There, things just aren't talking to each other, so you can get off between what your inverter is showing and what your battery is showing, 80% state of charge on the solar, and then showing 50% on the readout of the battery. You can recalibrate, you can do things, but that's tedious over a 10-year period to keep having to recalibrate those numbers. So ease of setup, ease of install are advantages as well in closed-loop communication. Otherwise, it's what we call what voltage mode is what you hear a lot if you don't have the closed-loop communication. And things are kind of based on a lot of assumptions and calculations are being made. You're just not really getting the real-time data that's confirmed between the battery and your inverter. I know that was a lot. No, no, that's one of the things that we really like to do in the podcast is kind of get into the high-end technical on that. And so is the Guardian part of this process now, or is that still just monitoring it? Yeah, at this point, you know, and that is going a little over my head, I think there is some connection between Guardian and the communications there. But for now, yeah, I think it's totally separate and it's just a monitoring platform. Yeah, I wouldn't see much involvement in the Guardian by way of closed-loop communication, though. Okay. All right. Hey, Avery, I was sitting here looking over the list of questions, and this one came up in a podcast we were doing earlier. We were talking about NEMA 3 in California and the different Mm -hmm. ratings that are going to be required here coming up actually by the end of April. On your batteries, what about the certifications? I mean, what certifications do they have, or are you going to put on them? I mean, are they UL listed, or are they rated Mm -hmm. for California use? I mean, can you speak on that a little bit? Yes, absolutely. And yes, yes, and yes to all your questions there. So E-Flex and the E-Vault batteries are the mostly important UL9540 and 9540A approved. They are SGIP approved. That's California. That's what you're referring yep. to. But there are quite a few other certifications, 1793, the CE. You know, I mean, there's other ones that aren't as common, but of course it has all of those. Really, in today's day and age, the 9540 and 9540A is kind of what's being looked at large scale, right, from a inspector level at a jurisdiction that's going to be looking at. The 9540A is the large scale fire test. 9540 relates to batteries working together with an inverter as a complete package to be what's called like an ESS or an entire energy storage solution certified. Think of that as a 9540. There's different versions of it, but here at Fortress, we're constantly working with UL and with those certifications to make sure our batteries have everything required. John Cromer, our director of product, he, that is one of his functions is to make sure that we're looking at that in depth and detail. I'm sure that's got to be annoying with you because those are such sensational incidents in the news media about how the lithium fire and that sort of thing, that's got to be frustrating to deal with, you know, that kind of perception that folks have about the batteries. How do you feel about the safety of the Fortress battery? Oh, it is the life PO4, LFP, lithium iron phosphate, however you want to say it. There's so many different ways to look at it. But, you know, it is the safest technology out there as it relates to fire safety. 
and also, you know, the prismatic cell as well, moving from pouch to cylindrical to the prismatic cell. I mean, we know from the science, you know, and the testing data that a prismatic cell that we have with LFP technology is the safest out there as it relates to combustion or setting fire. If you look at the actual test data, which we actually can provide that at certain government entities actually need to see the test data and what that means. And I remember the temperature, I think it's around five to 600 degrees is the temperature that it sits at for a period of time. And the technology, the current technology of lithium iron phosphate will not catch fire. If you go back to lithium ion, which is like you know, a cell technology that's out there, it will combust at around that temperature at 500 degrees in testing. So again, we're very confident. We know for a fact, and we're not the only ones that use this technology, right? right I mean, but right. It, is the safe, it, it is the safest technology out there as it relates to fire. There is no reason to why you should be concerned with a LFP battery in your home. It sounds like, as in so many things, to screw it up, you've really got to make an effort. Yeah. Okay. Sam, David, you get more? Or we? I think, we covered I think you covered the warranties and everything. Yeah. It is 10-year warranty on your battery. Is that correct? Right. So 10-year warranty on our EVOX, you know, and EVOLT batteries and 8,000 cycle life. And that's very important to us here at Fortress. So if you hear any competitors talk about us, and you'll, I hear this all the time, that, oh, well, you know, Fortress has 10-year warranty, but they only allow 80% depth of discharge, or they only allow 0.5 C rating. Like, these are two good examples. And this is all based on the science of batteries. Like, you can go out and Google. You can Google keeping lithium iron phosphate batteries healthy, you're going to find charts. These are the same charts that I use in my presentations. I don't go out and make up charts that make our product look superior to anyone else. I talk a lot about the science of batteries. And we know from the science that a 0.5 C rating can show you charts that will show you, you know, that is kind of the optimal charge discharge rate for LFP batteries. And we know that, which is why we recommend it. That's why it's in our warranty, somewhat part of out of our warranty. We also know that 80% depth of discharge is a sweet spot for LFP batteries. If you can manage to do even better, I remember seeing Wes seeing your setup at your house, and you probably never see any kind of a 80% depth of discharge probably on those batteries. So we know if you do a 50% or less discharge, who knows the cycle life of that battery it could be 12, 15, 16,000 cycles, which could be 20 years. I mean, we see this in the testing and the science and data. So, which is why our warranty clearly states 10-year warranty, 0.5 C rating, and an 80% depth of discharge. Any variance of that, I mean, it doesn't mean your warranty is voided. You know, I have a customer here in Texas that does big storage containers full of solar and storage, and they go set these things down in oil fields. Backup power, very important to these guys. They came to me and said, hey, Avery, I understand the science behind the 0.5 C rating on these e-vaults, but... We have situations where it's been cloudy, something's going on. I've got to get the storage containers buzzed, charged, hit at a 1C rate or 1.5, whatever it may be. So, hey, give us the serial numbers. We'll work with you, and we'll just know from a warranty perspective what's going on. It's going to have to be prorated. We're going to look at that as those batteries batteries fail. We'll know that they failed early because of those charge rates. Well, so you're using a phrase, and I'm always the village idiot in this. Are you saying a C rating? What is that? So the C rating really just being the charge and discharge charge rate, 0.5 C rating. Now, the actual mathematic formula, somebody like Sam might know the adding the kilowatt hours by the charge rate. There's a way to come up with what your C rating actually comes out to be. I was going to say the, the layman's way to look at it, a 0.5 C rating is half the battery's capacity per hour. 
So if you have an 18 kilowatt hour battery, nine kilowatts is the most you can pull or push into it at any given time okay. and maintain the warranty. And you period. don't want to exceed. Yes, so you don't want to exceed that. Okay. Now, pulse discharge is different, but C rating is a continuous discharge. Rate. Okay, cool. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Me too, man. Well, you texted me the answer, didn't you? <laughs> right. So those are just the things that we look for as it relates to warranty. And we're very flexible. We do allow some servicing to our batteries as well. The latest version of the E-Vault, depending on what version you have there, Wes, I mean, does it have the screws in the front where the, it'll come apart? Yeah. It does. Okay, right. So that's the latest the latest version. So it is a serviceable battery, and you know, there are times that we need to replace a BMS or those large battery packs in there can be unplugged and replaced. So the battery is serviceable in the field. Well, but, it, it know, sounds like what, part, what you're saying, I mean, the batteries, it's no different than a car. I mean, you get a car that's three years or 36,000 miles. I mean, you know, if you... Like you were talking about the other car, if I get out in the first month, I go put 36,000 miles on it. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's not your three years right. by any stretch, but yeah, you've kind of run through it. So, I mean, that makes sense. I guess yeah. that's what I'm saying. It makes sense. You can't just say 10 years. I mean, you've got... You have a lot of cheap battery manufacturers out there, just to be warned, that throw around things like, oh yeah, 10, we have a 10-year warranty on our battery. You can do 100% depth of discharge at 1C. Like you'll hear this type of claim. And it's just not true. With this, this, these, Some of these manufacturers probably won't be around in 10 years, so they just don't care. So they throw out some crazy claim and then... You'll hear them say something bad about us, but, oh, they won't warranty their battery if you go above a 0.5 or if you do more than 80% depth of discharge. I mean, that's just not simply true. We're going to see it, and we're going to act accordingly to help the, you know, make sure they understand as to why, right, to, okay. to reach 8,000 cycles, right? So very, very important for us to see our batteries last. We have batteries in the field that are approaching that 10 years soon, and we plan to be there to swap out that battery or be there the, the next 10 years. Yep. Okay. I think this is what it is, but let's just say somebody is trying to be dishonest and unfortunately it happens. And I know you guys see it all the time as well. The BMS that's in the system, it's going to record the discharge rate and the charge rate that was coming into that battery. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. Yep. All right. Or so. at least a formula of such, there's code that gives us at least an idea or average Okay. I don't know that it records data like every cycle or something, but it certainly, yeah, we can monitor it and see how the battery's been treated. That's one thing because as people buy systems from us, you know, that unfortunately, you know, they'll want to start out cheaper or whatever the case may be. And we're always up front telling them, hey, if you try to do this, you're going to have a negative impact on the battery. And, and sometimes their reactions is, well, it's got a 10-year warranty. No, it won't. It's going to not have <laughs> that 10-year warranty because... They can see what you've done. Same way with like Midnight Classics controller, you know. Well, I'll just never tell them I put it over 200 volts and put into it. Well, they're going to see that. They know exactly what you did into that unit. So you can't reset it. You can't do anything. It's going to always show that I like that information. Well, Absolutely. And again, it's not like Big Brother's watching you all the time or something of that effect. You know, it's just that in those extreme situations, you know, we have to go in and see how it's been treated. I mean, it sees temperatures, sea rates, there's formulas. For all of that. So. Well, just keeping on with our Good analogy. Time. I mean, your car has an odometer. That's right. That's right. You can't sneak past that. This is well, not the old school odometers that the special <laughs> mechanics could change and make it go backwards. Yeah. Yeah. Take, the, uh, take the glass out and roll it back. <laughs> well, highly, highly illegal to roll back the odometer. <laughs> yes. that mattress. The fact that Sam and David both back. had methods on that <laughs> makes me a little... A hey, I'm too young to even have I had any real experience with that. I've just been told stories. Yeah, I hear you. Well, Avery, we have taken up a lot of your time today, which we really appreciate. Have you got any closing elevator pitch that you've got for Fortress that you want to leave us with today? 
No, I mean, just hope this was helpful and, you know, certainly reach oh, out to helpful. me. You guys have all my information. If your customers want to reach out to me, I'm certainly available to talk about future products, too. We didn't really have time to go over some things that we're working on here at Fortress. And I will make a point to cover that when I come through there later this month, show you some presentations, certainly on high voltage well, batteries. And love to have more. you back on the podcast. I mean, it'd be glad. Okay. Battery podcasts are most popular of all. You look at our stats on the podcast, the batteries always have mm -hmm. tons of listeners. Awesome. Tons awesome. But listeners. once it's released over the next couple of months, once we get that released, I think it'd be a great time to come back on and really talk about the advantages of high voltage over standard 48 volt. So. Okay. But anyway, yeah, thanks so much. And reach out to us, reach out to me for any questions. Well, I agree. thanks for coming, Avery. We really appreciate it. And you have a great rest of your day. Thank you. All Thank right, you, Avery. Thank you, guys. Bye. Thank you. Thank you for downloading and listening to the podcast today. If you have a question you'd like to hear us discuss on the podcast or just want to say hello, email us at radio at windandsolar.com. As always, check out our store at windandsolar.com and buy some stuff. Your financial support underwrites our educational outreach like the podcast, YouTube channel, and local STEM collaboration. It also keeps Lucy and her doggy chicken treats. Thanks again for listening.